song. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Well, would you take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, the 8th chapter. And we're going to read an exciting verse of Scripture. A verse of Scripture of not only of how Satan will take a man and take him to the lowest ebbs of life, but also of how God will take a man, no matter how deep he has gone into sin, and lift him up and place him on a solid rock. What a joy and delight to see the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading in verse 26. And we're going to be talking about a man that was demon-possessed. A man that was possessed with demons and how Christ came and delivered him from those demons. I don't know of a backdrop that could be said or be painted any more clearer than the backdrop of amazing grace to this passage of Scripture. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but I now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. Isn't it amazing? Well, you may not have gone as far into deep of sin as this man has, but my friend, I want you to understand, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And no matter how far we have gone into sin, Jesus Christ and the amazing grace of God has the wonderful power to deliver us and to bring us forth. So with your Bibles open, would you stand with me as we look at this passage of Scripture, starting in verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out of the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, And he fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demons in the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, 
because many demons had entered him. They begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. And then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demon had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Isn't that just like Jesus? When he touches you, he clothes you and he brings you to his right to your right mind. Listen what else he says. They also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seeds with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Boy, what a happy ending. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for doing the work through your Son, Jesus Christ, changing a man that was so demon-possessed that you made him a new man. Oh, Father, we pray that today that the Holy Spirit of God may take these words from the pages of this blessed book. And Lord, that it will change hearts and lives of men and women today just like it did 2,000 years ago. Father, we ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit. Anoint us with your power. And Lord, use us for your glory and for your honor is our prayer today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This is probably one of the most exciting, exciting stories throughout the Bible. Because what it does, it shows a man of how low he can become in sin. And and that he's at rock bottom. But it also shows of how the Lord Jesus Christ 
reaches down and picks up a sinful man, washes him, cleanses him, and makes him a new creation. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul was speaking of when he talked about that you become a new creation and that all things pass away and all things become new. That's exactly what happened to this man. Well, as you look at this story, it has three different stages in this story, three different pictures. And I want us to look at those three different stages or three different pictures, and I want us to notice of what took place of that hour some 2,000 years ago. The very first thing that you'll notice as you will look in this passage of Scripture, he was a naked man. Now, he was not only naked physically, but he was naked spiritually. It is as if that Satan had come and literally stripped him from all that he had. Look what the Bible says in verse 26 and 27. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out of the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes. Nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. Classic example of the presence of sin. Classic example of the power of sin. Satan does not want us to see the results of sin. The consequences of sin. Oh, he paints such a beautiful picture before our eyes today. And yet, he hides behind the scenes of the consequences of what sin really will do. If you really want to know how sin will take you and how far it will take you, you see a classic example here. Sin, of course, will take you farther than you want to go will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will cost you more than you want to pay. And oh, friend, I want you to understand, as you begin to look at the life of this man, you'll notice a couple things about him. First of all, you'll notice that sin had degraded this person. That sin will degrade a person. Sin will take the innocent and make him guilty. Sin will take the pure and make him impure. Sin will take the clean and make him unclean. Sin will take the moral and make him immoral. Sin will take the decent and make him indecent. Sin will take the good and make it bad. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand, sin is a terrible, terrible thing. And Satan will do whatever he can to bring about sin. Sin always lowers the life of an individual. You think about it. 
Sin always lowers the life of the individual. He'll take what's at the top and he will destroy that and bring him to the bottom. I can give you countless, countless, countless cases of individuals of where they, individuals were at this particular place in their marriage or in their home or in their life and to see of what sin would have done in their life and literally brought them to rock bottom. So my friend, I want you to understand, sin should scare you as much as a rattlesnake is. And so friend, I want you to understand, Satan always wants to deform you He wants to deform you rather than reform you as Jesus would bring it into our life. Degradation that sin and Satan causes is beyond our imaginations. Here is this man. Think about it. He didn't live in the warmth, comfortable home as we all have in our society today but he lived among the tombs he lived in a graveyard a perfect description of what sin will do remember what the bible says the wages of sin is death it will bring you to the graveyard of your life and here's exactly an example of that I'm amazed I'm amazed of how sin begins to parade in our society today. Just today, I was noticing in the in the newspaper where the gay pride is celebrating and parading in downtown Norfolk this week. And and it is as if something that we should be proud of, my friend. But my friend, I want you to understand, that is sin. And sin will destroy a life and it will destroy a society. You go back and look at all the societies and countries in the past. One of the great sins of that society that has been destroyed is homosexuality. You say, they say, well, we should love the homosexuals. My friend, that has nothing to do with it. Yes, we love the homosexual, but we do not love their sin. And we do not love their lifestyle. Just like the adulterer. We love the adulterer, but we do not love their lifestyle. The fornicator. And my friend, I want you to understand the reason why sin needs to be pronounced today is because it is becoming so rampant and parading right before our very faces as if in your face doesn't matter what you think. I think it's time for the Christians and the churches to stand up and say enough is enough. I tell you something else that I I just couldn't believe the other day when I read the newspaper. I think that when I read the newspaper that I'm not going to be surprised anymore. But just, what, a week or two weeks ago, there was a church on Father's Day 
that they were going to invite all the fathers to come in and they're going to give them a beer after the services today. God have mercy. Amen. I'm here to tell you, my friend, that's an abomination against the church of God today. Thinking that you've got to attract people by sin to come to church. The Bible says we're peculiar people. The Bible says we're different. And we're not to we're to live in the world, but not of the world. God help us that when we think that we've got to come to a point that we got to bring sin in the church to attract people. God help us. It degrades you, my friend. But I want you to notice something else as you notice about this naked man. That this man was not only a degraded man, but you'll notice that sin will dominate a man. He would dominate a man. You go back and look at verse 27. It says, Luke tells us that this man had demons for a long time. And then you'll notice in verse 29, it says, driven by the demons into the wilderness. Friend, as you look at this passage of Scripture, he not only lived a degraded life, he lived a dominated life. In other words, he was bound by the chains of sin. How many times, how many times I've heard alcoholics say, I'm not going to drink another drink. And then the next thing they know, they're drinking again. How many times have I heard drug addicts say, I'm not going to take another another pill. I'm not going to take another shot. I'm not going to take drugs any longer. And then they find themselves right into that manner once again. They're dominated. But you know what? We look at that and say, well, that's not us. We're not alcoholics. We're not drug addicts. But oh, what about the sins that dominates us sometimes? It could be the loose tongue. Gossiping. And how it dominates and it destroys. It could be the adulterer. How many times have I heard individuals say, I'm not going to do that again. I've broken that affair off and I'm not going to go in that direction anymore. And yet they live right back into that sin over and over and over again where there might be fornication. Sin, sin dominates you and it will control you that it will make you a person that you don't want to be. And that's exactly what you see here. It's like an unbreakable chain that's upon an individual's life. God have mercy. Oh, yes, yes. 
when God comes and that He strips you from that sin. He breaks the chains and there He sets you free. I want you to see something else. Not only He was a naked man, a man that was degraded by sin, a man who was naked, a man who lived in the tombs, a graveyard, a man that was dominated by sin. He could not help himself because he was under the bondages of sin so bad. But you see here, a naked man became a new man. Praise God. He became a new man. The Bible says in verse 28, look what it says. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell down before him. Now, why did he fall down before the Lord Jesus Christ? He recognized who he was. In spite of his condition, he recognized this was the Messiah. This was the Savior. He recognized him quicker than the scribes and the Pharisees did. And the Bible says, He fell down before and with a loud voice, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Listen to that. This is coming from a demon-possessed man. Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demons in the wilderness. I read this story not too long ago about this individual that was taken to Bellevue Hospital in New York City. He looked like just a regular another bomb. Hadn't shaved. He was dirty. He was almost naked. Had a slash in his throat. See, he had just come from the Bowery. The Bowery was a synonym of drugs and alcohol, prostitution, and many times it was the last place that a lot of people would, would be at before they died. It was a terrible, terrible place. They brought him into that hospital by the paddy wagon of New York City police. All he asked for was one more drink. One more drink. Finally, the man died. 
you look at him, you'd think that he was probably 70 years of age. Come to find out he was only 38. See, that's what sin does. It wears on the body. A day or two later, they, a, a man who was a friend of this guy came looking for him. And there they went to the morgue and there he was. Had a tag on his toe with no name. But this friend recognized this particular guy. You could look at this guy and you could see what sin had done. Literally destroyed his life. Little did anybody know who this guy was. This guy was Stephen Foster. Now, you may not recognize Stephen Foster's name, but I bet you recognize some of the songs he wrote. Old Susanna, Beautiful Dreamer, Jenny with, Jenny with the light brown hair. Old folks at home, my old Kentucky home, and over 200 more songs. What happened to a guy like that? Sin that destroyed him. Oh, if he could have only met the Lord Jesus Christ like this man did and would have changed his life and kept him from destroying it. But this new man, I want you to notice that he was met with by the transforming master Jesus commanded these demons to come out of this man. And by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, those demons had to come out. And the Bible says he cast them into swine. And those swine literally jumped off the cliff into the Sea of Galilee and drowned. Someone once said, sin deforms us. Education informs us. Prisons reform us. But all Jesus transforms us. Isn't that so true? And it was Jesus who, with his mighty power, literally transformed this man from being so dominated and controlled by the demons that was within him that he made him a brand new man. I want you to look at this transformed man for a moment. Look what the Bible says in verse 35 and 36. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, in his right mind. Did you see that? He was clothed and he was in his right mind. 
And they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Once degraded, once dominated, now he is a different man. A naked man that became a new man. He not only was changed from the inside, but also on the outside as well. (laughs) I believe that this man's song in his heart was, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. Since Jesus came into my heart, I have light in my soul for which Long I had saw since Jesus came in to my heart. Is that your song today? Boy, it is mine. It is mine. To know that had Jesus not had come into my life and changed me and made me a man that God might reuse, I cannot imagine what it would have been like. But here... The transforming master transformed this man and brought him into a place of a new life. You see the example here? You saw in the scriptures exactly what, how bad sin and Satan will do to a man. But you can see also what the good that Jesus can do for a man. Here in this passage of Scripture, Fred, I want you to understand, he's no longer restless. He's no longer roaming. He's quiet. He's calm. And the Bible reminds us he's now clothed. He has a changed and clean heart. He has a changed and clean body and a clean mind. His mind has been conquered by the Lord Jesus Christ. He now has a new heart, but also a new Lord. Had been under the authority and the control of Satan, but now he's under the authority and the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan took him from the front yard to the graveyard. Jesus took him from the graveyard to the churchyard. Changed him. He took the bottle out of his hand and put a Bible in his hand. He took the mouth of profanity and gave him a mouth of praise and glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ will do. I heard one man said when he got saved, he lost 75% of his vocabulary. <laughs> it's amazing of how he changes not only your heart, but he changes your tongue. And He changes your taste. And He changes your direction. And He changes you in such a manner 
that all people will stand back amazed of what God has done. The epitaph of John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, there on his tombstone it reads, John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Amen. John Newton, when he wrote Amazing Grace, it was coming from his heart. He was writing what he had experienced. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved an old wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. I once was blind. But now I can see. I can see. Amazing grace. You see him as a naked man. You see him as a new man. But now you see him as a needed man. Jesus wanted to use this man. Use him in a fashion like you could never imagine. I can imagine that there in that old graveyard, he probably thought, as people had probably said, you are nobody. And we don't want anything to do with you. No doubt his family probably have rejected him, cast him out as if there was no hope. But the Bible says that when he changed, the Bible says Jesus sent him away. Great evidence of salvation. When when. Jesus changes your life, my friend. He sends you out to tell others what God has done in your life. And that's exactly what he did here. He is a saved man by Jesus, and he is a sent man by Jesus. Jesus has saved him, and now he wants to tell others about him. Now, you notice the instructions that Jesus gives to this man. It says in verse 38 and verse 39, And Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city, what great things Jesus had done for him. 
I can almost imagine. As this man who's now washed and shaved and new clothes, he makes his way back into the, into the village of where his family is. His little boy sees him coming down the road. Little boy runs into the house. Mama, Mama, come quickly. What is it, son? There's a man coming down the road that looks like Daddy. But he doesn't really look like him because he looks different. Can you imagine him coming home and that wife and that child or children embracing him? What has happened? Oh, let me tell you what's happened. Jesus came into my heart and Jesus has changed me. He has taken the demons out and He has redeemed me and He has Giving me a new hope. Praise God. And can you imagine that wife and those children wrapping their arms around that man and saying, Oh, thank you, Jesus, for saving my daddy and saving my husband. Can you imagine? He was just following instructions. He just did exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ told him to do. Go home. See, this man really wanted to follow Jesus and go with him. But no, Jesus said, I can use you better by you going home. And I can almost hear the townspeople say, Man, can you believe what's happened to old so-and-so. He's a changed man. So he received instructions from Jesus, but he also, I want you to notice the influence that he had for Jesus. It says in verse 40, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Amazing. As the townspeople was welcoming him, a certain man who was changed and transformed. Friend, you may be here today, or you may not be demon possessed, you may not be like this man was experiencing the domination of sin and Satan. But my friend, I'm here to tell you, if you're lost, you're just as in bad of a spiritual condition as this man was. And you need the touch of the Master just as much as this man needed. And friend, I want to encourage you today to do what this man did. Allow the Lord Jesus Christ to change your life. There was an old preacher 
North Carolina that I knew about. His name was George Trivet. George Trivet preached for many, many years. But there came to a point in time in his life where he was dying. Something about George Trivet, even though that he had preached the gospel, he had the fear of death. And there in his house, his next door neighbor, Don Truesdale, would come and serve and meet and take care of his needs. One particular morning, George Trivet says, Don, come here. Would you lift me up out of the bed? And there goes Don. See, Don was lost. He never had become a Christian. But George had tried to witness to him many times. And there, as Don put his arms around his back and lifted him up, he said, Don, Don, for years I've been afraid to die. I'm dying. And I've got good news. There's nothing to fear. And about that time, George Trivet died. Don Truesdale later after the funeral said by the impact upon this one man had upon my life and by the impact of his statement that he was dying but there's nothing to fear at all when one's dying he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he got saved. The influence that you can have, the influence that God wants to use you to touch someone else, could be your child, could be your mate, it could be your neighbor, it could be your co-worker, it could be your friend down the street, but by your influence, could it be said because of you and what Christ has done in your life, I want to get saved. I want to turn my life over to Him. I trust that it will. Lord Jesus, what a miracle.